Hi, friends, and welcome to the Dreamer Endurer podcast. I'm your host, Brianne Johnson. I designed this space to be a place that we can discuss dreaming big despite the setbacks and fears that come with it. I invite you to come along this journey with me as we embrace our stories and share our journeys. So let's dream big together and get intentional about making it happen. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Dreamer and Doer podcast. You're listening to episode 26 with my friend, Jacqueline. She is the founder of the brand Trove, and I am so excited for you to hear our conversation today. Throughout Jacqueline's career, she's had the privilege of working with brands and clients such as AT&T, Amnesty International, and Noonday Collection, figuring out how to tell their story in the most engaging way possible, whether that was through events, collaborations, strategic partnerships, or more traditional forms of content creation and marketing marketing. The thrill of any sort of storytelling excites her. And a couple other fun facts about her is that she's full of grit and grace. She can crush some serious deep talk, which we'll dive deeper into on this episode and will always be the last person on the dance floor. So grab some coffee. If you're driving, make sure you drive safely or doing the dishes. I hope wherever this episode finds you today that you just enjoy our conversation today and that you leave encouraged and inspired. So enjoy. Hey, Jacqueline, welcome to the Dreamer and Doer podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I do want to mention that my voice is a little under the weather, but that's okay. Um, You're probably going to be doing most of the talking anyway. So why don't you go ahead and tell my listeners a little bit more about you, where you're from, and what you do. So um, a little bit about me. I am – well, first I have to preface this with I am a new mom, and that is my life right now. So I have a little four-month-old boy named Griffin, and – Who's so cute. You have to go follow her personal Instagram too. <laughs> he is the light of my life right now. Um, and just changing the way I think about everything because um, this is our first our firstborn. So um, that's kind of our, our world right now. But my, you know, my my background is I, I'm from Oklahoma. I, I moved to Austin, Texas for a job 10 years ago and I have been here ever since. Wow. I keep saying it's the city that – you know, no matter where I travel, uh, internationally or domestically, it's always the place that I, I want to come home to. Um, and so I have no plans on leaving here anytime soon. <laughs> Austin is a fun city. I enjoy visiting, but it, it will never be home for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good place. So I think I, I've technically been in Texas for about maybe 15 years now. So I think I can oh, call wow. myself a yeah. Texan. You can call yourself yeah, a Texan. Yeah. Uh, I met my husband here in Austin, um, and we have been married five years this summer. And yeah, we're just kind of uh, – we, we actually – we also kind of um, have flipped houses on the side. So <laughs> a nod towards oh, cool. I didn't towards that. what's going on in Waco right now. Waco? We do. Yes. Yeah. It's been a – it's a really fun process for us. That's kind of our, our passion project and our, our hobby on the side of our, our real daytime jobs. I do love Austin and I love that Waco is so close to Austin because mm-hmm. um, it used to be about four to five hours from me depending on how long the drive took. And so it's really nice to be so close now because I have so many 
friends that live there and just love the city in general. So if you have to live in Texas, I think it's a pretty awesome city. Yeah, I think so too. It's pretty (laughs) great. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your business, how you got into it. I feel like just this, that part alone could probably be an entire podcast (laughs) um, and all the things that you've experienced. Um, I didn't mention earlier, but Jacqueline and I got to meet in person at um, some vendor markets back around Christmas, which honestly, I think those vendor markets around Christmas were some of my favorite that like there were some people that put on just specific fair trade um, markets. And I think those were some of my favorites because I don't think you do a lot of shows. Do you? I I didn't this season. (laughs) I didn't this season. Yeah, You had a busy season. But I like doing the fair trade events and people putting those on because I feel like the people coming are already in the mindset mm-hmm. and want to spend their money on things yes. like that. You don't have to kind of go into the the backstory of your business and why your pricing might be higher or any of that. Yes. They just get it and they're ready to like make their purchases count. And then just the vendors there too. I think some of my favorite people that have met, um, Jen from Person Clutch mm-hmm. is coming on next week too. Oh, She's one that I met at a vendor She's market. So wonderful. I know. I can't wait to chat with her. And I, it's just nice to be like, hey, there's someone that gets it, like has a heart for this. I'm not crazy. Just really encouraging to be around. So what are you doing now? Tell us more about yeah, Trove. Yeah. So Trove is my company that I started in April of 2017. Yeah. Gosh, this will be two years coming wow. up on two years. So I, I kind of came into that as a consumer wanting certain things out of my clothing. I wanted my clothing to be responsibly made affordable and stylish. And so I started kind of looking for that out in the world and I wasn't finding a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of basic staples Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a lot of discussion around like minimalist and capsule wardrobes. That was just never me. I was never that girl. I feel the same. I'm right there with you. I'm like, but I like colors Yes, and patterns. (laughs) And I like to keep up with the trends. Like that's me. Like my closet's never going to be 10 basic items. It's just not. And so when I started realizing I couldn't find that out there, at least within my price point, I was like, well, this is a thing. I just need to to make it. I just should start my own label because it's not readily available for me. That was kind of how I stumbled into this. It was, it was a need for me as a consumer that I wanted to get my hands on. And I, you know, I I had dabbled in the fair trade world previously by working at um, Noonday Collection. I worked in their corporate home office. And so that's kind of where I discovered fair trade as a whole and just loved the notion that you can combine fashion with purpose. Yeah, that's where I kind of started into this realm of fair trade as well but I was an ambassador oh wonderful yeah no I mean and and I I worked for them um for four years and just learned an incredible amount of of information about the industry which is super small still here in the states so you start to kind of you know know who the players are and who the companies are when you when you dive a little bit deeper into that world and so that's kind of where I I started learning that this was absolutely a thing and yes it is still a niche industry but I think it could one day be the norm. Yeah, I hope it is. So you've started, you have the idea, right? Mm -hmm. And you know it's a need. Where did you go from there? Because, yeah, even for me, I'm like, how? Like, just, did you start to travel? Is that... 
Um, yeah, I'm trying where you I'm started. To think back, I'm like, gosh, I don't even. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a doer, big time. Um, uh-huh. Whenever an idea gets in my head, and I I have to explore it. Like I have to at least try it, and I will chase after whatever I need to chase after. And so I I wanted to say I just started emailing artisans or groups of of people that I knew worked in certain areas regard like with textiles that I knew I loved. So like. I knew I wanted to work in Africa because I love all the Dutch wax fabric. And mm. so I found a, a group that is called uh, – it's, like it's like a program through Africa New Life and they provide job skills for women that don't necessarily have the means to, to be able to go to school. And so it's funding for women to go and get job skills. And so when I knew that there were women graduating from that program, I was – I was put in contact with them to be like, hey, these women are new graduates. They have job skills. They need clientele. And so that was kind of one way that I was able to work with with a group that is out of Rwanda and out of the Dutch West fabric that I love. Um, The same with Guatemala. It was, you know, I love their woven textiles. I love the process Uh of footloom fabrics. I've been to Guatemala several times and just have fallen in love with it every single time. They have incredible colors, and um, so I just knew I wanted to work there. And there was this factory in Guatemala that I had uh, heard about and, you know, looked up online, and it's called um, the New Denim Project, and they are a completely sustainable zero-waste factory in Guatemala City, which is really hard to do in Guatemala. And, I mean, I think I emailed and called and, you know, stalked the business owner for a solid six <laughs> to seven months before anything even happened. And finally, I I had a buddy of mine call her um, because he can speak Spanish and and say, <laughs> hey, we how do we figure out how to work together? Like, I will come to Guatemala and I will I'll work with you. Like, how do we how do we get this going? And she said, yeah, of course, if you're going to come to Guatemala, let's have a meeting and let's talk about, you know, what exactly you want to do. Um, and so that was a like a six to seven month process of just getting a meeting on the books to go and sort through wow. how we could actually start to partner together. I think that's probably why a lot of people don't enter into the realm of fair trade mm-hmm. is because communication can yes. take so long. Um, not just that, but like it's definitely more of a process than what as Americans we're used to of mm-hmm. this just immediate gratification, thinking of something and it's like ready in a couple days or right. weeks. Well, and even, I mean, yeah, there's so many things like logistics in and of themselves can halt you in this industry. Yeah. <clears throat> like right now we purchased from mm-hmm. Haiti from one of our artisan groups there and political unrest. Oh, like, yeah. Another thing that you have to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've shut delays. I mean, they have like shut the travel into Haiti. Like, it, yeah, yeah, and people can't go out of their homes. They can't even go to work. I mean, I, I've, it's terrible right now. You've mentioned Rwanda and Guatemala. Have you gotten to work in any other countries? So as we well? do. We work in Rwanda, Guatemala, India, and Cambodia. And have you been to all four? I have four? not. Um, I have not been to oh. Rwanda. I honestly, I have not been to any of the countries that I purchased from either. When we originally started, we thought that we would try and form some sort of artisan group in the Amazon because that's where our heart is. Um, And then as we explored the option a little bit more, we realized it just wouldn't work because there's no shipping at all. 
between here and the area that we'd mm-hmm. want to work in, which is where we used to live. But yeah, like when we lived there, when we lived there, the only way we could get any sort of like package or mail was if people brought it with them on the airplane. Oh but we're hoping in the next five years or so, they'll build an international airport for people to be able to fly and ship I, things. I think that's totally doable. Like that's where like I know. I think that that's something too that we can touch on is, you know, the fair trade industry is not for the faint of heart. And you really do have to look at, or at least I do, look at these um, partnerships in a long-term capacity, you know, and, and even your business in like a long-term capacity because it's like it doesn't yeah. happen quickly and you have to build processes. And like you're saying, like, you know, even just modes of transportation are always evolving and developing in the countries that um, we work in. And so it's a matter of looking down the line five years and saying, in five years, we're going to create this this piece and it's going to be amazing and we're going to be able to ship it to you in five days, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think one of the questions I was going to ask you, what keeps you motivated, but you just gave me like a little spark of encouragement for myself, which is always good to like take it off ourself and on the bigger purpose. And I'm like, yeah, duh, I do this because it's not for me. It's for other people to have long-term mm-hmm. sustainability in their own lives. And so, yeah, I'm too stubborn to Absolutely. quit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's about well, them. and it's just like you know when you when you put things into perspective, or at least for me, we live in a really beautiful country with a lot of privileges and you know a lot of rights. And the more I travel, just the more my perspective opens up to how things are so different elsewhere and how basic yeah. rights and basic needs are not met in other places. And if there's any way that I can be a part of that um, and help build those, great. That's such a motivating factor for me in my business. Yeah. I've had people ask me, how does it work? How does shopping your website work? Because do you still do measurements? Do you have ready to wear products? Yeah. What does that yeah, look like? Yeah. So we, we are technically still a pre-order model, um, which, you know, which means that you order and then we send the orders over to our, our artisan groups. Um, and so the lead time is a little bit longer on most lines. There are some particular lines that we can actually get in quicker um, and that have more established uh, supply chains like our Cambodian line. We launched Mm. it and it was a matter of five to seven days before you would get it. So it kind of depends on um, just how advanced the, the supply chain is with the country that we work in. I think we touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but I would love to know how the transition for you has been from being just like sole business owner to taking on, um, the business and being a mother because you're still pretty new. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gotten your footing no. back or still kind of oh like, gosh, uh, no, no, <laughs> I'll never have my footing back. I don't think. I know. Right. Um, no, I, you know, and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm like the last of my friends to have, have a baby. And so I, you know, I knew coming into this that like it would rock my world. Um, but you know, you can't prepare for something like uh-huh. having a child. Like you can't, prepare for the amount of love that you'll feel or for the amount of time that you will not sleep anymore or be able to have you don't know how long your child's going to nap or if they're going to be colicky or and so there's no way to prepare for having this new little person in your life so no my footing is still very shaky but (laughs) I do feel more confident every day um because that's the new part I you know I've worked in the corporate world and I've owned a business for two years and not to say that I know everything. I certainly don't. I'm always learning every day in that 
in, in like in that department of my life but like mm-hmm. motherhood for me is so new like it is such a new position and I am focused on that and so my business is secondary to that right now so I'm definitely still kind of like finding my way in in being a mom and how to juggle that and yeah, for sure. and and run uh, my mm-hmm. business I will say the biggest thing I think I've learned is that just when you think you're getting your footing, you lose it again. Yes, I, I've experienced <laughs> that already. And I'm like, dang it. I was thinking this was a routine. I know. Right. Yes. I remember feeling that way, being like, yes, we're finally in a routine. And then something changes. And you're like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's just, I think once you realize, like, the biggest thing I can learn from this is to be flexible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you're good. Totally. Well, and I think that parlays into owning a business. It's like just when you feel like you're like making it, you know, or like you had a good week or even a good quarter, you know, at least for me, like something happens and you take a dip, like a dive and you're like, oh my gosh, it's all going to go away tomorrow. You know, you're never like, like my footing is never stable, at least currently in my business either, because it's always like something changes. Uh, I think it took me the first year for me, which for me, I have zero background like in any of this. It was just like, hey, I have a dream. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I don't know what it looks like. I love it. Um, so I've just had to learn. But what I was not anticipating is how stressful the change of seasons in the fashion world mm-hmm. is and just how far you have to think ahead. Right. Or like just when I feel like okay like I think the website's how I like it or I like these pictures and then you sell out of something before you even get to post the picture (laughs) so you can't post it or like that sort of thing it's just been that was really frustrating at first but now I'm starting to roll with the punches gain some confidence yeah and it just it is what it is because it's fashion and it changes Mm -hmm. which also makes it kind of hard in the fair trade world because it doesn't change as much as it's not a fast-paced change right. like right. we're uh-huh. used to. Mm-hmm. So how have you incorporated that into the pieces that you create? Let, what do you mean? Like seasons changing. Do you change your clothes per season? Gotcha. Or have you just come up with some classic pieces that you could wear in any season? You know, I have. How have you incorporated I've it? Tried to, I've tried to launch a collection each season. So – um, I won't necessarily change that collection out until the following season. So it stays on my site it, it, mm-hmm. as long as everything stays in stock for a full year. Um, but that way you're still getting that variety of new, um, you know, new apparel or new items. Cause that's, that's such a, a draw of fast fashion, right? Is that there's all these new styles yeah. always coming out. I mean, weekly for most retailers. Um, and so I do four collections uh, a year. And then I, I also do some home goods around the holiday, home good and gift items around the holidays. I think you might be the first guest that I've had on that also owns a like ethically conscious apparel line. Oh, great. And so I haven't really gotten to talk a whole lot about maybe like the catchy words that people may hear. Sure. I don't think everyone's super educated on what those words mean. Uh-huh. Do you feel comfortable giving people like kind of definition definitions of each one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah, let we can talk through a couple. I mean, I'm only familiar with a couple. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, 
yeah, I'm like, sometimes I think there's people who are way more qualified at this than I am. But you know what? It's just one of those things. You share the knowledge that you have and it helps someone else. Maybe someone else is like, oh, that really caught my attention. I want to learn more about that. And then they become the expert on it. But maybe it just starts here on the podcast of hearing what that means. Um, So let's just start with what fair trade means. Yeah. So for me, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not an expert in this either. Fair. If you call something fair trade, in my mind, that is you're certified as a fair trade um, company. And that's like a a process that you go through and you apply for um, and the Fair Trade Federation like governs that certification process. You meet uh-huh. certain criteria for the pillars that they that they embody, um, which is fantastic. I hope to someday be yeah. uh, a member of the Fair Trade Federation. It's just a matter of money to get the certification yeah. and, you know, in time. I think you have to actually be in business a certain amount of time before they'll even consider you in the process. Right. There's going to be small businesses out there who are doing fair trade things. They just don't have the money or certification Correct. for it. Right. Yet. Like I talk about Trove in, in that sense because we're not fair trade certified that we are an ethical clothing and home goods company. So ethically made means? So ethically made means that we have a certain code of conduct that we follow, that it aligns completely with the Fair Trade Federation pillars. We just aren't certified. And so I can't technically say that we're fair trade because we don't have that certification. Right. But we, we pay a living wage. We pay, um, you know, we have a code of conduct that is, you know, strict with labor laws within the country. You know, we... We don't stand for things like child labor, um, and mm-hmm. we enforce women right women's rights. We have an auditor that goes through in the countries that we work in to kind of, you know, come in and make sure that everything's running accordingly, so that way you know nothing's happening behind the curtain that we aren't aware about. And I, you know, I make sure that when I I work with these artisan groups that they are looking at this code of conduct and we are talking about it and we are both in agreement on what it means and that everyone understands that this is how we want to operate in business and that we expect them to also operate in business like such. Mm. And if, if that doesn't align with them, then, you know, maybe we aren't suitable partners is kind of how, how we've always framed it. I like that. Another word that I don't use in my business, cause I don't know, but is sustainably made. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have, know if I've used the word sustainably made, but I use the word sustainable. And yes. I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think what how I would explain that. I'm, yeah, it's one I'm still in, like unsure on. I guess we're just having a conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, talking things out together. I feel like it's more talking about the material. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that's made just maybe out of products that can be reused. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, you know, it kind of plays into the environmental aspect of that fair trade pillar, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's, there are factories out there that are zero waste factories and we work with zero waste factories in Cambodia and Guatemala. Um, so that just means they're not using extra material that they don't need or it's different with every with every factory but it it means that they're not wasting any fabric that they have sourced and so in Hmm. normal factories i've i've heard and read that you know there's 40 percent of the actual material or textile that's going off to the landfill so they use 60 percent of it they just toss 40 percent of it 
which ends up being a lot of waste, right? And yeah. so these particular we factories that so I work with have zero waste that comes out of it. They use every single part of the textile. And, and in Cambodia, they actually go to the landfill and get those extra scraps. And that's what we create our clothing out of. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know And that. then they also, you know, there's a lot of – they reduce the amount of energy used towards, mm-hmm. you know, dyeing or the the process of, of cleaning their fabrics. I mean, it's it's kind of – it hits on a lot of environmental fronts. I think people are probably most familiar with hearing about fair trade and like the chocolate coffee room mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. clothing. And then in addition, there's B Corp companies, which is like an even step higher, Yeah. Right? So B Corp is another certification process that, you know, you can be a B Corp and not be a fair trade company, fair right? Trade. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's essentially, this is how I chalk up a B Corp, a company that cares more about profit. They care about people and the planet and it's not just about the bottom line. It's really like conscious ca- mm. uh, capitalism yeah. is how I kind of look at a B Corp. I like that. Um, do you design all your products yourself? Or is it in partnership? You no, know, I, I do most of the, of the designing, but it's definitely, I'm. Which is amazing. So make oh, sure. Oh, thank you. I'm putting in a plug for you that everyone goes to check it oh, out. Oh, thanks. Which I mean, you know, I do not have a background <laughs> Which in that. Which we will. I, I just oh. know what I like, you know, or I know what. Yeah, yeah. You know, certain women in my life talk about wanting, you know, right, for their particular taste or figure or, and so I, I, I think about that whenever I'm kind of dreaming up the next collection. Um, but it, I, you know, it's definitely open for collaboration. Like, um, I'm so, I, you know, I want to learn and grow from these artists and partners just as much as anyone else because they yeah. are masters of their trade, you know. Um, like, I, for instance, we, we had a, a shirt come out from Rwanda. I think maybe it was our first collection from them, and it was like an off-the-shoulder shirt. So it was like two summers ago when that was really big, and you know, we, I wasn't even thinking about that. And Sharon, the artisan was like, you know, all the American women love off the shoulder stuff. We need to create something off the shoulder. And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, Sharon, you are absolutely correct. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it is, there's, I mean, ideas that come from anyone. Um, and I'm so game for that. And I, you know, I want it to be more collaborative than it is. Mm-hmm. I know we were just talking about clothing and fair trade, what all those words mean. Um, but I was just telling Jacqueline, we take, we kind of record in increments. So we had a little pause and now we started back. But I was telling her that there's so many times I re- record this podcast that we have technology errors or things like losing my voice that I just feel like um, the enemy is using to like stop people from telling their stories because I believe there's so much power in our stories and it just looks so different for everyone and I feel like that's his way of stopping people you know like totally no we're just gonna get through it because it's worth telling and so with that I want to just ask you to be like raw and vulnerable with our listeners if you're up for it and just share a story with us of like when you're struggling with something that maybe made you want to quit or not sure those next steps you were yeah. going to take. Gosh, I mean, that's that's so frequent, you know, it's so frequent. <laughs> right. Any new business, I mean, any business, but especially a new business that, you know, is just essentially me, right? Like I, yeah. I have contractors here and there, are, but I'm, I'm the sole employee of Trove. Yeah, you run into issues all the time that make you want to quit, big and small. There are days where I have literally zero dollars in our bank account and I have to pay people 
like pay artisans, mm. you know, it's yeah. like, I can't skip those payments. I can't um, say, Hey, you know, I need 30 more days, you know, like they don't have 30 yeah. days to wait on me to get you know, to go to a market right. and get some more funding. And so honestly, even in the last month, like first quarter is a little hard to jump back into in retail. Mm-hmm. And I just got home from having a baby and, you know, life's just a little slower right now. And so, I mean, I have been praying like the past and it's happened. It's that's the beautiful thing about it is like, I have prayed specifically like, Lord, I need, I need to pay this bill. And I don't have any funds and I just need you to like help me figure out how to do this. And I mean, he keeps answering. He keeps Mm -hmm. answering almost to the exact amount as well. And so, you know, I'm really open handed with with Trove, with what God wants for it and what God wants for me in it. I mean, if he said tomorrow, hey, this isn't going to happen and you need to kind of pursue another arena or you need to sell it or you need to just close it down, I would say, okay no problem. You know, like it's not mine. It's he, he is the sustainer of, of all of it. And so I, I'm really open-handed with, with what he wants for it, to be honest. Mm, I love that. And honestly, I needed that because first quarter sucks Uh, and it's been really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and just like, yeah, you're like, I, what's next? What do we do next? And just kind of feel like you're holding on totally for, I don't know. The next thing where you're like, okay, I can breathe a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I mean, I try to operate in fashion. Yes. Like you're supposed to be looking a year in advance and it's like, I'm just not there yet. You know, I'm too yeah. small to even think a year in advance right now, yeah. but I try to, I take it one day at a time or one quarter at a time, one season at a time. And, you know, just, I'm so open to what the journey is supposed to look like amidst, you know, setting some goals and trying to like you know, meet those, but you know, it, it is so much of a, I am just figuring it out day by day. Well, you were rocking it. Like I had no idea it was just you. You would think there's like several people behind <laughs> no, you. Oh my gosh. Guys. <laughs> but you're killing well, it. You have to remember perception is everything and Instagram it is. It's can make true. you look real fancy. Yes. That's what I, th- I don't know if I talked about it here, Instagram. Actually, I think on my last podcast that I recorded by myself was that even like people's struggles that they've been sharing on Instagram or like messes seem so oh, curated. Yeah. Like even yes. that seems curated and like formulated. Totally. That it's almost even hard to navigate that of like, well, what even of this is real? Right. And I'm personally, I'm an open book. I share kind of. <laughs> I'm too. <laughs> anything and everything. I'm like. This is what I'm struggling with and like it is what it is. But with especially with this platform, I want to be honest because dreaming and doing can look so mm-hmm. different, but it for sure looks different than what is presented on social media. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't you- necessarily want to fake it till I make it, but Right. It feels that way sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think like authenticity is such a buzzword right now in the marketing yeah. you know, world. And it's like you can tell. You can tell when someone's not being authentic, I think at least. Even oh, online. Yeah. It, it, you know, it looks too perfect or it's just like wrapped up with a little bow and you're like, come on. Just yeah, be. you're like, what if my life doesn't feel like it's wrapped up in one little yeah, bow right just now? <laughs> be messy. You know, it's okay. We're all messy in our own little way. and. 
Um, I know um, that's hard to do for some people. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get to some of our fun questions yeah, before we wrap the episode up. So I would love to know three things you're enjoying right now. They can be fun, serious, but like they can't be the easy thing off the top yeah. of your head of like my husband, my kid, my job. Like, yeah. Fun, random Fun facts. Mm, I know. It. I'm like, this is so Ugh. big and broad. I'm like three, like. Mine changes every episode if that Ooh, helps. Yeah. I think <laughs> one, I know this is cliche. I am a super busybody. Like, well, mm-hmm. in my pre baby life, now that I have a baby, <laughs> I'm like not a busybody at all. Like, I am, I used to be super productive and I'm, I'm a big multitasker. I, I love like listening to a podcast while I'm writing up a blog and on my phone, you know, like that's just my world. But right now in this season of life, everything is slow and I am not a multitasker and I can't get out and go do all the things that I want to do because I have a little four month old at home. Um, Yeah. And I, there's a part of me that is like missing that and like longing for that time again. But there's also a part of me that's really like, no, this is so beautiful. This is so slow. And I get to enjoy and relish in, Mm. you know, my sweet boy like every day. There will never be another time like this in my life. Yeah. I know you mentioned that you were like one of the last of your friends to have kids. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, that's such a beautiful thing to have because you get to like hear their stories and kind of learn from them. Part of the reason why I like want to wait to have more kids is like I want to learn and experience so I can be a better mom the second time because I was one of the first to have kids so I'm like what am I doing that's so awesome and it's so true I mean I I was online or I mean I I was still operating my business even you know throughout my pregnancy and even in the hospital I was sending emails to India I'm not kidding wow (laughs) and my artists and partners in India were like you need to take a couple days off like you had a kid, you're in the hospital sending us emails. Oh my gosh. This is unacceptable. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But, you know, <laughs> I had a girlfriend, like you mentioned, reach out to me and she was, hey, she doesn't even live in Austin. She was, she was just noticing that my business is still operating and running and, you know, blogs are being published and Instagram is still looking on, you know, perfect. And it's like, she was like, you need to take a step back and just sit still and mm. realize that this is sacred time for you and your family. And she really kind of like checked me. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, you're so right. Like I needed yeah. to hear that. I don't need to like come out guns, guns blazing. Um, Those are good friends to have. I so grateful for that because she was like, you do not want to miss this. I assure you, you will make up those sales. You will make up all of the, the lost time in your business, but you will not make up this time mm. with your family. Um, so long, long answer to the I first know. thing. I know. Sorry. It's my fault. I always do that. Um <laughs> The Two second more. thing, oh gosh, I okay. So we are watching a new Netflix series called uh-huh. uh, called You. Have you watched You? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it's so intense. But I was like a huge Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars fan. I'm mm-hmm. just airing out all my great. guilty confessions. Great. Um, what are the, guilty pleasures? Um, so it reminded me of like extra creepy Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars mixed yes, together, especially I can see since. That. Like uh, two of the character, like Shay Mitchell, whoever she plays, was in Pretty Little Liars. And then um, Penn, who plays Jill, was in Gossip Girl. Yes. (laughs) But then like the storylines too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's creepy. I just need to know why Beck doesn't have curtains on her first floor New York apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) It's like, come on. Come on, sister. I know. I'm like. You live in New York City. I know he was a creepy one, but. 
Yeah. Have some curtains. Right? No. A lot um, of things could have been avoided. I know. That's why I was five minutes late to our recording because we are like – You're watching it. I'm I'm on season – you know, I'm on episode nine. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's, it's all raveling. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> Just hold on. I know. Gosh, okay. And last thing is I am enjoying some wide leg cropped pants right now. Oh. I just bought some. They're like the cropped wide leg jeans. And I just feel like a million bucks when I wear them because, you know, I've got a rockin' mom bod now. <laughs> and I'm like, this is cool. I feel I feel cute. I feel like functional and, you know, I can slap these on and they hide all kinds of stains. So I'm high waisted too. High waisted. So I mm-hmm. feel real secure yes. up there. So are they denim um, or like yeah, they're denim. They're, they're denim. denim. Okay. Uh-huh. So I've been wanting to that. try some because oh, yeah. I'm so muscular. Like my legs have just always been naturally muscular. So I don't like love the way skinny jeans look on me. Yes, I'm the same. And so I feel like maybe a cropped flare mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. be a better You'll look. love them because I'm built the same way. Like I have just always had thicker legs because I'm, I'm yeah. more muscular and I feel like these are my jeans. Okay, where'd you I get them? I got them from Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> oh, darn it. Mm-hmm. I hate when people are like, I got them from here because then you're like, I'll never find them. It's like but the I hidden like, gym places. Look at, okay, so look at Madewell because <clears throat> okay. it, this, I've tried this, on theirs. This also parlays into our conversation because Madewell just came out with uh, yes. um, Fair Trade certified jeans. I don't know if you've seen yeah. them. Yeah. I have, well, I, have, I just saw that and I've tried on their jeans, but I like really wanted to like the um, high-waisted ones with the four buttons. Yes. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Oh, yeah. But they were skinny jeans mm-hmm. and they were so high. Like my waist is smaller, but I have really curvy booty and thighs. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they like gaped at my waist. Yeah. They just yeah. didn't fit well. So I was a little bummed about that. So I definitely need to try them again. Yes. Try um, the vintage uh, jeans on. Okay. That's what I wear. Yeah. There. And I'm, I feel like I'm built like you. I <clears throat> like, I need bigger sizes in my, yeah. my, my booty and my thighs. Yeah. Um, and I tried on Able when they were at spring at the silos mm-hmm. a couple years ago, but they were still at the time, just skinny jeans. And I was like, yeah, I just, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. I, no. I'm glad there's new styles. Out Try now. the vintage and then the, the cropped flare at Madewell. Okay. Good to know. And then my last question for you is where can everyone find you and what is your new collection? I would love for you to tell us a little bit more. Sure. About that. So you can find us online at www.shop-trove.com. Our Instagram handle is shop underscore trove and okay. Facebook is Trove Delights. So our latest collection we launched earlier in the month and it is from Rwanda. We have three different textiles that you can choose from for all of our styles. And it's really fun and vibrant, like most textiles out of Rwanda. And Mm -hmm. it's just really fresh. So it's a good spring capsule if you're looking to kind of bring in some color or some fun patterns to your wardrobe. I can't wait to – I don't even think I've looked. 
Maybe I did. I can't remember. I try to look up everything before the episode. It just doesn't always happen. No worries. Yeah. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I loved our conversation and it definitely took some turns that I wasn't expecting, but I can't wait to listen back even for myself. So thank you for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Maybe they'll be inspired and encouraged by it as well. If you've already had the opportunity to subscribe and leave a review, I just want to tell you thank you. It means so much to us. And if you haven't, we would love if you just took a couple minutes to do that for us. It would really help us continue to grow this podcast and get our reach out there. Thank you guys. Until next time. Oh,